crowd tonight. I know we have some that are sick. We'll talk about some of that a little bit later. Remember to pray for those. Uh, but good to see all of you here tonight. I'm glad that you're here. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 119, please. Psalm 119. And we're going to consider the next section uh, in our study through the 119th Psalm. We're going to find ourselves in verse 25, and we'll read down through verse 32. So you follow along with me as I read Psalm 119, verse 25. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Remove from me the way of lying, and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies. O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. There's a real contrast between the way that this portion begins compared to the way the last one ended. If you look in verse 24, the psalmist says, Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. And the psalmist in that section, he ends with, being in a, in a place of delight, a, a place of joy regarding the Word of God. But when you start the next section in verse 25, notice what he says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. See the contrast in the, in the, the, the attitude or the frame of mind that the psalmist gives here? And he's, he ended with delighting in God's Word, but he opens up with this thought that I'm... I'm stuck in the dust, in the dirt. And it's pretty clear that the psalmist is experiencing some personal struggles and even some discouragement. In verse 28, he says, My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. In verse 29, he says, Remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. And there's some other places that we could go demonstrating that, that there are definitely times in the life of this man where he experienced some defeat or some discouragement or some personal struggles. And this, is interestingly enough, comes right after he's speaking with delight. And there's an application here because sometimes it happens in our life. We have mountaintops, we have victories, we have times of peace, we have times of... Joy, right? Seems like things are smooth sailing for a while. Or we experience a great victory. But it's in those times, especially spiritually speaking, that the enemy attacks us the hardest when we are enjoying the blessings of God. You know, when you are growing in your Christian life and you're trying to draw close to the Lord and you're trying to do what's right, the devil is going to attack you and he's going to attack you the hardest in those moments. You know what? If you're away from the Lord, if you've wandered and you're cold spiritually, you're not a threat. You're not a, you're not a problem. 
The devil's got you right where he wants you already. It's when you are striving for godliness and you're growing in your Christian life and you're experiencing some victory that the enemy is going to attack. And we ought to expect that in the Christian life. When things are going well, when we feel good, if you will, things are going smoothly, that's the time that it's dangerous to relax. It's dangerous to let the guard down. And Ephesians 6 tells us to take unto ourselves the whole armor of God that we can stand. And when, the, when, the, when it's hard and when it's, uh, when it's rough, you still stand. But, but beware because those fiery darts are coming in your Christian life. We need to take the whole armor of God to us. And one man said this, he said, We must be as watchful after the victory as before the battle. In the same way, we need to be just as watchful after the victory before, than as, as it was before we ever went into the fight. Well, it seems as though the psalmist is experiencing some struggles here. But when he found himself down, when he found himself in a place of discouragement, the psalmist knew what to do. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The psalmist prayed, and he talked to the Lord, and he asked the Lord for some things. And we're going to draw some of those out, and we're going to look at what did the psalmist ask the Lord for in these verses here. And the prayer is that it will be an encouragement to you tonight. We won't be long, but take the truth that is, that is drawn out of God's Word tonight and make the application in your life. There may be some here who are in a bit of a struggle, a little bit of discouragement. Maybe it's circumstances, maybe it's people. Either way, it's kind of got you in a rut or got you down, and you have a resource just like the psalmist did. And we're going to, ask, or we're going to see what the psalmist asked the Lord for in these verses tonight. Let's pray, and then we'll begin. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage your people tonight and strengthen us through the Word of God, remind us of truth, and then, Lord, help us to apply it in our life. God's Word is real. The promises of God are real. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to experience them in our daily life, not just with head knowledge, just, not just with mental assent, but, but to live them and to know them intimately because we believe they're true and we apply them in our life. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd encourage your people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. What is the first thing that the Psalms asked the Lord for? Well, in verse 25, he says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust, quicken thou me according to thy word. The first thing that the psalmist asked the Lord for was that the Lord would revive him, that God would give him some reviving in his life. And, and, and we have to ask the question, what was it that the psalmist must have been feeling in these moments? He states it here. He says, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. He's painting a word picture here for us. You can imagine how the psalmist must have felt pretty low at this moment in his life, going through some hard things possibly. But he does give us an idea throughout the psalm, uh, psalm of some things that he went through. He had some enemies in his life. 
And he states that his enemies, first of all, were slandering his name. In verse 23, he says, Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. There were those who slandered him. There were those who said, uh, spoke evil concerning him. In verse 61, he said his enemies were restricting him. The bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. He says they're lying about me as well, or they have. In verse 69, he says, The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. His enemies had caused him to experience some suffering. In verse 83, he says, For I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. In verse 141, he talks about being despised by those in, in verse 141, he says, I am small and despised, yet do I not forget thy precepts. He even had his life threatened a time or two, and he states that by saying in verse 109, My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law. You can see some of the things that he experienced in his life, and you can imagine what he must have been feeling in order for him to state that my soul cleaveth to the dust. It's not a wonder that he would have felt pretty low, maybe even like an insect crawling in the dirt. There are some who, who try to describe that low feeling by saying lower than a snake's belly in a rut. He was pretty low, cleaving to the dirt. But when he seemed to be at his worst... He knew where he should turn. What does he pray? He says, Lord, quicken me according to thy word. You and I have the same. We'll talk about that some more. But you and I have the same promises or the same resource to turn to. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 3, he says, Blessed be God. Even the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ." He says we are comforted of God and we, God is able to give that comfort and we, we experience suffering, but we also experience consolation in the Lord too. How often do we continue to struggle on and we find no peace, no comfort because we're not going to the right source, the right place. Notice the psalmist says, quicken me. He says, quicken me. That word is translated to live. It means to preserve my life. And so he's saying preserve my life, give me, give me life, but it's a lot more involved than just preserving his life. It's, it's a lot more involved in, in just saving his life. Certainly it involves saving his life, of course it does, but it also talks about or has the meaning to invigorate me, to breathe new life within me. 
The psalmist is saying, I want, and it's not just preserving my life so I can just get by. He's saying, quicken me, give me new life, your life. He says, revive me, invigorate me. He prayed for that sort of thing often, actually, in verse 37 of Psalm 119. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. In verse 40, he says, Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. In verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. In verse 88, the psalmist says it again, Quicken me after thy loving kindness, so shall I keep the testimony of thy youth. And we can read in verse 93, in verse 107, in verse 149, in verse 154, in verse 156, over and over and over again, the psalmist is asking the Lord to give him new life to invigorate him. And in every case, the psalmist was confident that the Lord would. Now, here's the application. You know what? You and I face trouble in life sometimes. We experience times when we're down, right? Who here can say that you're just happy and joyful all the time? We do have ups and downs. We're human. And we can be in a good mood half the day and a terrible mood the rest of the day. And it can happen so quickly. And we, we can then experience periods of time in our life where we're just in the dumps, and we're just dragging around, and we, we feel like we're just surviving. But understand this. It's more than just surviving. The psalmist says, quicken me. It means to live. It means to preserve my life. But it's more than just surviving. It's more than just getting through, even in a day. Sometimes you just need to get through a day. But listen, it's more than that in the Christian life. The Lord doesn't want us to stay in that condition. God wants us to thrive in our Christian life. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 10, I am come that they might have life, but he didn't stop there, that they might have it more abundantly. Amen? Listen, we can all struggle from time to time, but we have a resource. It's the Word of God. It is life for the soul. And why do we go through extended periods of time where we just can't get it figured out and we just can't seem to find the joy or the peace and we just stay in our depression or our rut or our bad moods. Listen, listen, are we really going to the source to find life invigoration for the soul? When we don't, it's showing we really don't believe it. We don't really believe that it's true. That God has the nourishment for the soul that we need. But the psalmist said, quicken me, Lord, according to your word. Give me that life. But it's more than just preserving. It's invigorating. It's breathing new life in me. That's where God wants us to be, joyful in our Christian life. But then he's, he goes on and he says in verse 26, I have declared my ways and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Here's the next thing that the psalmist asked the Lord for. He asked the Lord to teach him. In verse 27, he said, Make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. Now, there are different times where the word is trans, where the, it's the, 
We read the English word teach in this psalm, but sometimes it's a different word that's being used in Hebrews, in the Hebrew, and we'll talk about that even the next time. This word here, teach me, that the psalmist is using um, is just like you might understand it. I need to learn something. I need to gain some knowledge here. But he says, teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So it's, it's twofold here. Not only does he need to learn something, but he also needs to have some wisdom to go along with what he's learned in order to apply it in his life. Now, most of the time when we find ourselves in a trial of life, because the psalmist is walking through some personal struggles here, he's pretty down. And he's asking the Lord to revive him and give him new life. But he also says, Lord, I want to learn something here. I want you to teach me something here. Too often in our times of trial in life, we ask, how can I get out of this trial? How can I get out of this situation or change it? When maybe we should be asking, what can I learn from this experience? You following me here? In times of trouble, in times of trial, in times of, that are hard in our life, we need God's wisdom. When we, when we think that we're suffering or we feel like we're suffering, and sometimes we do, but when we find ourselves suffering, what we need is God's wisdom so that at the end of that, we don't waste all of that suffering. We don't learn the lesson. Does that make sense? Go to James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, James talks about this very idea of not wasting the opportunity that God is giving us to learn. In James chapter 1, in verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, you've heard me explain this before, but I'll do it again just in case you don't remember what James is, is asking or, or saying to the saints that he's writing to is kind of an odd, odd request or an odd statement. He's telling them to count it joy in your life when you find yourself in the middle of a bunch of trouble. That's what he's saying. He says, count it all joy when you fall into. Again, th those words don't mean like to, to stumble over something and fall down like into a pit. It doesn't mean that. It means to be surrounded by. So what he's saying is count it all joy in your life when you find yourself surrounded by on every side. You know how sometimes you walk through a trial and you, you're almost at the end of it and you can see the light at the end of the tunnel and it's like, okay, this is almost over. And as soon as you get through that trial, it's like you breathe a breath of fresh air and all of a sudden, boom, you go into another trial, right? Have you experienced that in your life? That's one thing. But what he's saying is, it's not just one trial and then you have a breath and then you go right into another trial. It's multiple on every side. You're surrounded by many of them all at the same time. And he says, count it joy. What? How in the world are you supposed to be joyful in the middle of that? He says, fall into diverse temptations. That word, it means adverse experience. So he's saying, 
Be joyful when you find yourself surrounded by adverse experience in your life. But he doesn't just stop there. He says in verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, here's why you can count it joy. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. He's inconsistent. And I think that's interesting that, that James says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. And it's directly in the context of being surrounded by trouble and trial in your life. You ever say, Lord, why is this happening to me? I don't know. You lack some wisdom, why don't you ask of God? There's always a spiritual side to every single trial that we walk through in life as a child of God. The key is to look with spiritual eyes, not at the circumstances. And the psalmist knew there were still lessons to learn in the school of life. He's feeling pretty low, and he asked God to give him some rejuvenation and some life, but he says, I don't want to miss the lesson here. I want you to teach me. He didn't want to miss out on the good thing that God had in store for him even through it. And that's why he says in the very next verse, look back here, in verse 27, he says, Make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. He says, make me to understand. After he says, teach me, it means, it means to perceive. It means to have cunning. That's what, he's, that's what the word means. In other words, what he's trying to get at is like, I, it's, it's more than just having some knowledge. I want your wisdom, God, to know then how to apply this in my life. So, for you and me, we've got this resource of God's Word. We have Bible principles, and often we have Bible principles that we know. We know with head knowledge, we know that they are there, but it's not just having Bible knowledge or Bible principles at hand, but it's the perception and the cunning and the discernment to know where and how it applies in my life in this situation. Sometimes trials are how we learn that God is real. Sometimes it's the trials that teach us that God's word and his promises are very real. Well, the psalmist talked to the Lord about what was happening to him. And the Lord answered by giving him wisdom and even giving him strength. By faith, he expected to see God's wonders displayed in his life, even in the midst of his battles. And notice what he says in the very next verse. He says, My soul melteth for heaviness, 
Strengthen thou me according to thy word. There's the next thing that he asked the Lord for. Not just the new life, not just to even to learn the lesson, but the strength then to walk through the trial. Not to just get rid of the trial, not to change the circumstance, but the strength to walk through it. He says, my soul melteth for heaviness. In my own strength, I'm failing. Lord, strengthen thou me according to thy word. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. Throughout the psalm, in various places, this writer makes it very clear that he experiences suffering because of his commitment to God and his word. In verse 28, he talks about his soul melting for heaviness. In verse 50, he says, This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. In verse 67, he says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. In verse 71, he talks about, It is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. There it is. It is good for me to have to experience some hard things because that's when I learn your statutes. And we could read many more. Verse 75, verse 83, verse 92, verse 107, and on and on in this psalm. The thing about the psalmist here is that even in the midst of his affliction, sometimes it was circumstances, most of the time it was people, His enemies lied against him. His enemies did these things. Yet he didn't rage against his enemies. He didn't seek to destroy them. In fact, he actually wept over them. You can read about that in verse 115 and and other verses like that. He wept over his enemies, but what he prayed for was for God's strength to be able to, to endure, to walk through it. All he wanted was strength to keep on living for the Lord, magnifying God's Word. And it was the psalmist who discovered for himself that God's grace, God's enabling, was the thing that he really needed in his life. And he asked the Lord to give him strength. You know, I think about this. When the psalmist is pretty low, he says, I've, my soul cleaveth to the dust. He talks about suffering because of his commitment to God and his word. Could he have possibly imagined a different path in life that would be easier for him? Surely, surely he did. Who can't relate to that? At times in life, you feel like, you know what, I don't need this. Um, I, can, I can go do something else. I don't have to, I don't really need to put up with this and put up with you and put up with them and all. I don't need that. I can go find something else to do. We can all relate to that idea at times to, my, to find an easier path of life to walk. But notice what he said in verse 30. He said, I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. Could he have found something different? Maybe so, probably so. But he says, I've chosen 
the way of truth. I've chosen to stay with you. He would walk in the way of God's truth and it would keep him safe and he would avoid the enemy's uh, way of deception in his life. Look at verse 29. He said, remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. Look at verse 104. In verse 104, he says this, he says, Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Isn't that interesting? It's through the precepts of God that I understand how things work out there. And it's through the precepts of God that I get this understanding. And I hate every false way. Let me say something to you. You know what? I don't need to go out to, out into the world and try some things just to understand what they do. Or how they're going to end up. I don't need to go try them. Because God's word already tells me so. Don't walk that road. Don't go down that path because it's going to lead here. Stay in the straight and narrow way. That's where you're going to find. It's hard, yes. But I'm, cho I'm choosing to stay there because that leads to life and blessing. Yeah. Teenager, let me tell you something. You listening, teenagers and young people? Across the room? You don't have to go out into the world. It looks alluring, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You don't have to go out there and experience it for yourself. Spare yourself. Spare your life. Choose to obey God and His Word and do right. Choose it. The psalmist says, I have chosen the way of thy precepts. Because that's going to lead to the right end for my life. You know, sometimes we find ourselves under pressure in life. Maybe that pressure is coming from circumstances. Maybe all that pressure that we're feeling and the angst that we're feeling comes from other people. Our first response is usually to pray that God will change those circumstances or that God will change those people. But perhaps our best response would be that God would change me and enable me to be stronger and to overcome and to be what I need to be for Him. Amen? I don't like this situation. I don't like these people. I don't like what they're doing. God changed them because it affects my life. But maybe I should be praying, Lord, change me. Make me stronger. Make me able to be able to overcome by your grace. Maybe I need to learn that lesson or the lesson that you have for me through it all in my own life. The psalmist says, Lord, teach me. And then he says, help me to understand so that I can have some wisdom to apply it in my life. But then he says, Lord, would you defend me? In verse 31, he also asked the Lord to defend him. He says, I have stuck unto thy testimonies. O Lord, put me not to shame. 
I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. The psalmist didn't want to bring shame to the name of the Lord. Over and over again throughout Psalm 119, he talks about that same thought. He did not want to bring shame to the Lord. And in these situations, and in this situation here, the psalmist is turning the situation over to the Lord by faith. You know, we can get ourselves into situations, and we can kind of come up with all kinds of clever schemes, how we're going to defend ourselves, put forth our own efforts. But when that happens, we often miss out on all that the Lord wants to do and how capable the Lord is to defend us. In fact, Romans 12 talks about that. Render no man evil for evil, but give it over to the Lord. Avenge not yourselves. And the point is, as we hold to His Word, as we trust His promises, the Lord is well able and capable to work His way in in His time. And one Man once wisely said, if the Lord won't fight your battles, you better not take on that fight. Sometimes you just need to give it over to the Lord. And the psalmist says, not only that, but in verse 32, I will run the way of thy commandments. Run the way. It, again, it means a road that's trodden. It's a path of life that he's talking about. And he says, I'm going to be running on the right path, in the right road, in life with the Lord's strength and the Lord's wisdom and the Lord's guidance when I simply cling to God's word. Be obedient to God's word. And it brings us to the conclusion. Notice again verse 31. He says, I have stuck unto thy testimonies. O Lord, put me not to shame. I looked up what that means. Like, what does he mean when he says, I have stuck to thy testimonies? Well, it turns out it's the exact same word that is translated as cleave in verse 25, where he says, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. And the point here is, he's gone from biting the dust, being low, in the dirt, to now running freely in the way of the Lord. And he's stuck to the commandments or the testimonies of the Lord. And the point is, there's this contrast from where he started low to now I'm running freely and I'm free in the will of God and the power of God. And the point is, is God's word was the answer to his troubles and his discouragement. And so we ought to take that to heart. Amen. In our time of trouble, in our time of discouragement, maybe it's circumstances, maybe it's people, but like the psalmist, we need to turn to the Lord and to His Word. He was low. He was struggling. Now he's running free. It was all because his commitment to the Word of God and the truth of God. What a blessing. Amen? Are you, are you fretting? Are you discouraged? Are you down? Are you shuffling your feet along? 
It's these people and it's that circumstance and it's just got you down in the dumps. Well, let's get back to the source of truth. Let's get back to the resource that can actually fix the issue. I think we settle for a lot of things. Well, that's just the way it is in life. Well, it's just my lot in life and it's just miserable. And we just convince ourselves and talk ourselves into believing that that's just the way it is. But that's not the way it is. Not in the Lord. Amen? Let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord, give me some strength. Give me some reviving. Lord, teach me some lessons. Lord, defend me. Give me your strength. Lord, I want to thrive in you. I believe you, Lord. Now let's apply it in our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd strengthen and encourage your people. We have this resource in front of us, and yet we fumble along. And we stub our toes and we kick the dirt. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to remember by your grace that that's not where I'm supposed to be. It's not where I'm supposed to stay. The Lord is well capable. God's word has the answer. And go to the resource to find refreshing and reviving and encouragement for my soul. Lord, I pray that you help us to live this truth. Those are words that are probably principles that anybody in this room could say. But do we really believe it? Do we really practice it? Do we really live it? Lord, I pray that you'd help us to grow. And Lord, I pray that you'd use this truth tonight to encourage your people. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.